0: Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then that night I just went off, like just had an awesome night. I don't think professionalism really has to have anything to do with money. Professionalism is your attitude. And I was out there training in Rotherham, staying at like whatever premier Inn in Rotherham. And you can't imagine like for more depressing
1: ways. Why? Hello and welcome to the Offfield Rugby Pod. I'm your host, Brian Moylette, former Irish age-grade international player, now mindset and performance coach. I help players and teams all over the world overcome setbacks, play in the zone, and achieve higher levels. On this podcast, I chat with people at the top level about their journey so that you can get their insights and hear what worked for them. You probably agree that you need to be strong mentally as well as physically, but most players don't know how to work on their mindset. My new book, The Book on How You Become a Pro Rugby Player, is like a gym program, but for your mental strength. In it, you'll learn how to instantly move on when you make mistakes in games, how to feel excited and confident on the field, and how to play in the zone. And it's available now on Amazon. Please subscribe to the pod wherever you're listening, and be sure to send it on to some friends. Cheers. Today I'm chatting with Rugby Canada legend Jeb Sinclair. Jeb started out in New Brunswick and went on to go to two World Cups, get 42 caps with for Canada, spent six years with London Irish, and also have a stint with the Stormers in Western Province. In the pod, Jeb talks about how he made his way through the Canadian Rugby Academy to get over to Europe and shares some very funny stories around nights out, one of which left him stranded in a foreign country for a while. Mistaken identity when he rocked up to a club and they had the wrong photo in his locker. And he also shares a few run-ins that he's had with coaches along the way. So here's episode number 76 with Jeb Sinclair. Dealing with money can be very stressful and especially with everything that's happening in the world right now and stock markets crashing. If you're not an expert, it can be difficult to know what to do. Sparks Wealth is an Irish financial planner and they are experts when it comes to dealing with finances and helping guide you on what's best for your situation. You can book a free call with Will now at Sparks Wealth on their website, sparkswealth.ie. Recently, a family member of mine did just that and was so happy they did so. They said Will guided them through everything in a simple, easy to understand way, no jargon, and it was a brilliant experience. So that's sparkswealth.ie.
2: So how did a fella from New Brunswick get into rugby and get where you got to?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, some of it was just, uh, was luck. One of my first, uh, senior coach, he was from Scotland and he was, uh, he'd gone to New Brunswick to do his master's in education and joined the rugby club and was a player for a season or two. And then went and became the coach, same with Keith McAlpine, so uh, a good friend of mine and, and really good friends with my dad Know <clears throat> my mom and dad know as well. And then he, uh, his brother-in-laws are um, Jamin Finley Calder um, from Scotland. Um, so after a season or two of senior rugby in Tardyton, he said uh, he should go over and play a season in Edinburgh. So I did. And with the coaching and, uh, and playing the game kind of year-round over there, um, just got a lot better pretty quickly.
2: What were you playing over in Edinburgh? Well, like club rugby there.
0: Yeah, so the club is Stewart's Melville. So, I mean, they they bump around in the top two leagues. So I, I can't remember what league they were in when I was there, but, and or even what they call it. It's a lot sort of like Canada, where their leagues get named different things every, every three or four seasons. So, yeah, first or second division over there at the time.
2: And so that was like late teens, kind of, and then came back to Canada?
0: Yeah, so that would have been... I turned 20 in August and then went over there in October. So it would have just been 20 and that was in 2006. And so I played the finished the season with my club until the end of October and then went over there and they were two or three games in and then played the whole season there and then came back for, uh, in May. And I said, and then there was a Canada East versus Canada West camp. Um, and they were, you know, all the Canada East guys had been under six feet of snow since November. Um, so other than a few guys that were playing out in D.C., most of them were kind of not game fit. Um, so I was able to get into that game and, and show pretty well. And then from there, that game was in, in uh, Capilano in North van And the uh, coach of the national team just said, why don't you stay out here and train for the World Cup lead up? training against the guys that
2: are going to the World Cup this week. So that was the 07 World Cup?
0: That was 07. So, yeah, that would have been May or June 07, and then ended up just crashing on a guy's couch, did some training before they left, and then stayed out there the rest of the time.
2: And then just what, Like got a, a club out in Vancouver here, and then just
0: in victoria exactly. yeah i ended up staying in victoria i ended up getting the the card the national academy card or whatever they called it at the time um but that didn't kick in until i think they're january to december so i had to wait until they redid it after the world cup so played for cascade wanderers and then just started training full-time with uh, the national academy
2: that's grand and was that the plan like i suppose it was probably pretty raw out and uh New Brunswick was it or like were you when did you start thinking about getting into a Canada setup?
0: Uh, not really at all. It probably wasn't until I come back and played in that Canada East Canada West game. Because by the time I went to Edinburgh, I'd probably only played you know, we only have ten games a season, so maybe maybe twenty or thirty games. Right. So you don't you don't really think that would you're not thinking about Canada or anything like that. And it wasn't until sort of, I think, 05 when Simon Pacey even got a cap. Uh, he was the first one from New Brunswick to get a cap. So there wasn't, didn't really even seem like there was a pipeline to do that from New Brunswick. Um, so it probably wasn't until I came back and played that Canada East, Canada West game that I was like, oh, these guys, you know they're not they're not that much better right now.
2: Yeah, and why is it? Why did you start playing? What was it like? Um, is it big out there in New Brunswick?
0: No. So I played until I was about 15. I played hockey was sort of my main sport, and then maybe soccer in the summer, um, and then in and I raced mountain bikes as well. And then in the like the last mountain bike race of the year before I turned 16. Um, I fell off the bike and broke my leg and then had to miss like the first three months of the hockey season. And then when you miss that much time in ho- like in hockey, you know, I wasn't going to be able to just go on to like a double A or triple A team. I would have had to play house, which is like non-competitive and not really what I wanted to do. So, but I was like, well, why don't we just ski or snowboard this winter and not do hockey? And then if you still want to do it next year, you can get back into it. So we did that. And then by, you know, March of that year, I, you know, I was bored, wanted it, didn't have the team sports. Um, and the only sport that the, that my high school had that was sort of a walk on sport was rugby. So I was like, I'll, I guess I'll go do that. because I was just so bored and wanted to do something with my time.
2: Nice one. And then uh, how was it out in, the national academy like when you start going there like when you start like just playing for a bit of fun and having the crack and this was probably still a bit of that was it
0: like at the national academy yeah um i mean it was tough at first i'd never been i would never been to the gym before i showed up there and so we're doing like the first weightlifting lifting testing session or whatever after i've been there like three or four days um, and like, I'm looking at one of the wingers, like who had a handful of caps, who had been in the academy for a couple of years and was like maybe four or five years older, but, but like not as big as me, like just put on two plates, and boom, rep it out a bit. And I was like, Oh, well, I'll just, I'll start with that. I guess I get on the bench and it like take it off and instantly like, boom, like choking myself couldn't and that was the first time that i bench press so i was like oh shit so that was all i i wasn't allowed to clean or do any olympic lifts because my form was so bad so that was what the first six months was just like running getting fitness uh trying to put on some size they were like you know you have a big frame but you've got no muscle or even any fat so they were like just every night before bed just eat like three peanut butter sandwiches just an extra like five 600 calories before you go to bed like just start there and then and that's what it was just trying to put on muscle and and learn the game a little bit better like yeah I hadn't you know you learn how to tackle but you didn't you hadn't learned a defensive structure that yet so it was kind of learning that stuff as well
2: and how quickly did you get the weight on and like you said you're trained against the national team, but how how quickly did you get up to speed
0: then? Well, I mean it was kind of it, you know, you're putting a weight on at the same time you're kind of like finishing puberty, right? Like I was twenty or twenty-one and so like I grown I had grown taller and you know, and my bones had grown, but then you're kind of hitting that last part of puberty where you actually start to put muscle on. And then it was kind of combined with, like, I was probably on almost double gym sessions for the first six months. Um, So then you combine it with that. And then training with guys that, you know, would have had a few caps, but they weren't maybe good enough to go professional. So they're still good players, but like, Either A, you know, at the time we had quite a few guys in the championship, so it was either A, they were good enough to to go do that, but maybe B, they didn't really want to go over there. Like, you don't want to go and maybe live in Rotherham or Doncaster or whatever for 18 grand. So this was kind of in between.
2: And then uh, what you got, Captain, is that how, you, that how you went over, how you got kind of your break over there?
0: Yeah, so I got I got picked up for the tour – in 2008 for the the uh the fall tour um and then was only sort of meant to play like against Portugal in the first game that was outside of the window um and then it was like and then you can and we had more Canada had more professionals sense, so like 30 guys, you know, 25 guys were going to go play Portugal and then like eight guys were going to stay and then like 20 of our pros were going to meet up with those eight guys for the next game in Ireland. Because um, we had, you know, so guys scattered through France, guys tons of guys scattered through the championship. Um, And then ended up the next game getting on the bench for Ireland and in like 35 minutes off the bench, led the team in tackles. And... Uh, and carries um. so they were like well we kind of have to start in the next game against Wales and then start the next game against Wales it was kind of the same thing that like the team tackles and carries and and that was it pretty much in the squad then
2: How was that tour? What was that like? Like you're playing local rugby in Victoria and you hadn't been playing rugby that long and you're getting in the gym and then you're going on a tour first up to play Portugal but that yeah how was that?
0: I mean, it was, it was awesome. So, like, you know, you don't, you don't know what, what the other teams, other nations have. You only know what you have, like what your country has. So, it was like, for me, it wasn't the fact that I wasn't making 20 grand a game. Like, the Welsh guys were, it was like, man, I'm staying in a hotel downtown, like, getting a bus to the stadium. I'm like, this is awesome. Like, I think we were getting 500 bucks a game or something like that. But I was like, this is awesome, tons of free kit. I'm like, this is the best. Um, and then Portugal, you know, now I mean, geez, I think the national team would bite their hand off but beat Portugal. Um, and we put, I don't know, I think 50 or 60 on them pretty comfortably back then. It might have been like 55 12 or something was the score. Um, and then we played ireland and that was like stephen ferris's first game so it was like back in 08 when ireland was seeing that like new vein of form with all those guys I like, i remember the papers the next day it was like why bother playing canada what a waste of our time like that was the kind of the commentary in the papers and you're like oh my god like leave me alone like please um and then we did a bit better against uh against wales and so that was kind of the bright spot. I think it was 34, 34, 14 or 34, 18, um, you know, which is respectable, um, at that point in time where, where Canada rugby was, uh, and then we took it again, we took a hiding against Scotland up in Aberdeen, um, it was about minus one for kickoff and it snowed that night The the Aberdeen soccer stadium had, uh, uh, like underground heating. Uh, Aberdeen's obviously quite north so it probably gets snow and 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 it's cold lots but the uh, they didn't shovel it or turn it on in time so instead of like dissolving all the snow or the water it kind of turned it into ice crystals after the game it's just like you've got like a, a one degree burn like all over your <laughs> body just where it's just shaved off all your skin in, in an 80 minute game.
2: Talk to you about the schedule the next day, this the flight schedule.
0: Well, it, it kept snowing like overnight. And like so I well, like I went out with some of the Scotland guys because there was one or two of them that were um coaches for Stu Mel when I was over there in 06. They were on uh like injury, injury coaching stints or whatever. The Edinburgh hotel, or sorry, the uh, the Scotland team hotel, I like- guess. of the snow they started cancelling flights so then i couldn't even make a connection to london to get out so i ended up just spending like a day and a half by myself in aberdeen before the snow cleared and i could get to london to get out of there and get back to vancouver
2: and was, was it just you with the rest of the boys at the hotel that they get back
0: everyone else got back everyone, <laughs> just me
2: <laughs> so you're there what like a young lad <laughs>
0: 22, 22, 23. 22 years, yeah. No, yeah, 22 years old, just sitting in the airport, like, all day.
2: Yeah. Uh, Probably about
0: 12 bucks to my name, so I couldn't even, like, wouldn't even be able to buy a sandwich.
2: <laughs> and so then you were, like, were you kind of, then you went back and you were in the national team proper, was it, were you, from then on?
0: Um... Yeah. There was, there was one, there was one tour I was dropped out. It was the Churchill Cup in the summer. And that was kind of like a, a disagreement with the coach. I'll say um, both of us, we, you look at it, both of us being wrong or both of us being right. Um, but yeah, I just had kind of, I guess, kind of thought I had made it already and didn't, maybe wasn't as diligent as I had been for like the two years leading up to that. And, so just me a little PP slap from the coach and, and was left off the tour, even though I was probably the best back row at the time. Um, yeah, so that one's still kind of irritating. So I think if I would have went to that, I probably would have had 50 caps. So that one, I still, when I see Crowley up coaching Italy now, I'm still like, you bastard. But- <laughs> But we've we've hashed it out since then because he was obviously coach for another four or five years after that, so we spent a lot of time together.
2: And so he kind of made a bit of like an example of your.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could I have worked harder. Yeah, I, I mean, you can always work harder, and it was probably like sort of a three month stint where you know any number of things were probably going on. I can't remember exactly at the time. It, but we weren't making any money. I might've had to miss a couple sessions to kind of, you know, to work or, you know, we were making 900 bucks a month. And I think my rent was 900 bucks a month. So to eat and, you know, have any sort of walking around money, you were still trying to, and you're training, like I would go to the gym, like six to eight, get picked up by a landscape company and go work from like nine till three. And then we train four till 7 you're only able to work like six hours, four days a week. It's one of the days we would kind of train right in the middle of the day. So, and then on Tuesdays and Thursday nights, you go, you go to the club and train your normal club hours. And then you've got a game on Saturday. And then if you didn't, if you didn't play like sort of, you know, 60 minutes for your club, you'd have to do a fitness golf up me on sunday so you know i we were working super hard it was probably like maybe i was broke or something and just had to pick up a couple shifts or was irritated and ended up getting a little pp slapped and left off the door
2: yeah geez that's mad um how you're doing that like the train schedule there like like you said like open five or whatever and then finish at half seven you know home at eight o'clock and then you know you're you're doing that, and then you got to go and play against Ireland and Wales and Scotland and these boys.
0: Yeah, I can like I well that first tour I remember it was five hundred bucks a game, so it was a two thousand dollar check at the end of the tour, and that was like you know end of tours, end of November. So it's like man, I'm gonna have to, People are getting the best Christmas gifts this year. It was like. You know, you don't even have a credit card at that time, or if you do, it's got like a two hundred and fifty limit. So it was like, pay that, pay the rent, go for a steak. And you're like, nice. I got a left over.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then it's like, yeah. Then it's back to, it's fact. Yeah, nine hundred bucks a month. That's mad. And like, that you were so competitive. Like Canada back then. Like you know, like you were, you were yeah. competitive.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think. I don't think professionalism really has to have anything to do with money. Professionalism is your attitude. Like my thing when I went out, I had watched so little rugby, and it was so hard and expensive to even get games to see them, especially back in, you know, 07, 08, 09. You know, there wasn't 10 different streaming services or like, uh, you know, they're not, it wasn't easy to pick up. Uh, to watch a game so we go over to play Ireland and like other than like O'Driscoll you know or O'Connell like I don't know who the rest of the guys are right they're not so you're not awestruck and you're also like honestly like I'm gonna run into this guy as hard as I can what do I care um same with Wales same with Scotland right aside from like the two or three sort of name brand guys that you see in the rugby world magazine like you don't know who's out of form. You don't know who the press is shitting all over for however they played the week before. Like, you don't know any of that.
2: Yeah, that's so good, that ignorance. Like, just not knowing, just being like, ah, oh, fuck it, let's have a crack.
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember we were in... I remember and We asked... So, I guess, the, I guess the away team can ask to have Millennium opened or closed. Yeah. And, like, our coach is... Like, if we end up, if we win this game, if we win an upset, it's not going to be because the roof is open or closed. So let's have a closed so the guys can hear how loud it is. You know, these guys, this is, will probably be their only game in Millennium Stadium. Like, they'll remember the atmosphere, win or lose, right? So we had the roof closed, and I can remember. And I, that's, this is going to be my first start. from just turned 22. It's my first start. I'm like having like a panic attack before kickoff. Like I'm like, oh my God, it's so loud in there. So like we're doing the anthems, and I'm like, I'm just gonna pretend that every time they they're saying like whales, whales, that they're actually saying, yeah, yeah. And that they're like cheering for me the whole time. And then I went out and had like a like a pretty damn good game. So yeah, must have worked.
2: Love it, love it. And uh so then you went back and while playing for a couple of years, you stayed in like Victoria, like club rugby, stayed in that kind of run before you went to Irish, or or you went way you went to Wales for a little well, bit.
0: Yes, we had like two six month stints in Wales, um, where I can't remember what it was like 2010 and then the year before the World Cups so of 2011. Um, and that was from like January till. May or June, and then you meet up with the team for um, for the Churchill Cup uh, in the summer. And we, so you train, you play with you know Casper Wanderers, do that training schedule that I told you about, um, and then you go home for Christmas. And then from there, I just went to Wales because I was living on my family was on the East Coast, and then we play there in like the Welsh Premiership. Uh, which was a much higher standard than, you know, anything in Canada. It was probably equal to like maybe the poorer teams in the championship. So that, was a, and, so that was in North Wales. and They had been given some money from the BRU and to kind of improve North Wales rugby. They had a lot of good players, but they're all spread out. It, it's a huge region in France, uh, or sorry in Wales. that just doesn't seem to, hadn't got the right support. And so they wouldn't have been able, they didn't have the, the caliber of players initially to jump right into the premiership. So I think there was like eight Canadians went over and joined like the 25 best North Wales guys. And we kind of formed the team for two seasons.
2: Well, was that like, that experience?
0: I mean, it's different. Like we were staying in a place called Colwyn Bay, which is like, I don't know, maybe... 4,000 people on the edge of the earth. Like, there's nothing up there. Like, yeah, the closest big town was sort of was Manchester, it was like two hours away. So we'd fly into the Manchester, in and out of the Manchester airport. We had one night of one night of one night of season would kind of be the big night out there. And then otherwise, we'd just in the small North Wales towns.
2: And then lots of bus trips down, down south or flying or.
0: Yeah. So. Because we, you know, I guess there's some strife, you know, or between North and South Wales. And for the first year we were there, we were, we weren't in the league. We were, I guess, building up the skill, like building up to that level. So we would play everyone on their bye weeks. But they were like, oh, it's our bye weeks. We don't want to travel, right? We don't have, we don't have the money to get up there to travel. So it seemed like every week, at least like at least eighty percent of the time, we we're on six hour bus trips down in South Wales. Go smash those teams on their home ground and then back on the bus back up to North Wales. They didn't take us seriously for the first year and we just smashed it.
2: What were those bus trips like back six hours ago?
0: Uh, <laughs> I mean, they they're the best for you know, anyone else, I think any other sport you say, like, you're going on a four to six-hour bus trip, like, there's, like, groans, like, no, nah, we don't want to do that. Like, we'd see another away trip, we'd be like, god damn, this bus trip's going to be good. Like, just, you know, the stuff you get up to uh, on a, that you can get up to on a bus, I mean, we would be, we'd play Cardiff, and we'd, it would be a naked bus before we were out of the Card- Cardiff, <laughs> like, it's stark. The North Wales guys were absolutely, they're bonkers. They were like out of control. Um, and some of them, like I still keep in touch with some of them, but they're still like, you know, they're my age, maybe a year or two older, a year or two younger. They're still playing. They're still playing like a decent level. And I know they're still probably having naked bus trips.
2: <laughs> they're still at us, Yeah. And uh, so there was a 2011 World Cup you you got there and, and how was how was that actually like that that's another massive step up again or occasion even
0: yeah I mean that was how of buy and it wasn't until probably like just during the Churchill Cup in 2011 where like I I kind of was guaranteed to be like a starter for Canada Right. We had a lot of good back rows. It's probably our deepest position. Um, I knew I could play some second row, which would help. We had quite a few good second rows. Um, and so it wasn't until that Churchill Cup in June 2011 where I was like, okay, I'm, pro- I'm going to the World Cup and I'll probably be like a, a starter. And, and then, and during that Churchill Cup was when Toby Booth, who was the the coach for London Irish. He was the BBC commentator for the finals for Canada versus Saxons. And he came down after the game and he was like, yeah, I saw your game. I thought you played really well. You should get your agent to call me tomorrow or on Monday. Uh, and I was like, well, I don't have an agent. You know, I what's that? And he was like, well, what do you mean you don't have an agent? I'm like, well, I, I don't know. I'm going to the World Cup in September and then I'll probably just go back to work or go back to school or something Literally had to give me two, give me two uh, business cards. He's like, "These guys are both agents. Call, call one of them. Call both of them." And then literally within like four days, I, I had a contract signed.
2: And how was uh, neg- looking back? How was negotiating then?
0: Well, negotiating then it was like they wanted to do like they wanted to do a two year deal. I was like no I'll do one year then they'll see then they'll sign me to two you don't know the politics I didn't know anything about like the foreign player rule or the EQP rule I was like you go over there you work hard you you play you know you don't know the intricacies um, certainly as a Canadian player but it was also like you know I would have been one of the only guys playing top flight rugby so for the money whether the money was kind of it would have been slightly above championship, but not much. But I was like, it doesn't matter. I'd rather play a top flight, um, you know, get that kind of coaching and play with those, those types of players. So, yeah. And then it ended up working out and I ended up staying there for five or six more years.
2: Nice. And then in the middle of it, was it you went down to the Stormers or down to Western Province? That?
0: Yeah. So down to the Stormers. So I, I, I played, I think, like the first, played the World Cup, and then right from the World Cup went to, went and got my visa to England, and then was back, and then was in England, you know, 10, 12 days after the World Cup. Um, And because they had quite a few, uh, you know, English, Scottish, Welsh, whatever, you know, 12 guys that were in the quarterfinals that weren't back yet, they were like, yeah, we need you to play right away. And so I played, played like four or five games in the bounce. And then the fifth one um, shattered and dislocated my thumb and all the ligaments in a tackle. And, you know, that ligament is kind of the one that, you know, makes it not a monkey. Like it's, it's where all the dexterity in your hand comes. So like the rehab, it's like a tiny little tendon. But if it gets wrong, that's like your your hand, your grip, your – you know, all your dexterity can be really screwed up. So the rehab was like 14, 16 weeks. Um, And that would have happened like sort of the week before Christmas. Um, And then five, so then when I came back, it was April and then I played one game before the end of the season. So I'd already had like a full off season and rehab and fitness session. And so a week after the season, um, you know, I, I'd only played six games in the last six months or whatever it was. Uh and this in super rugby, you you do your big tour all at once. So you tour within your country like home and away with everyone, and then you do like a big New Zealand-Australia tour where you play like four or five games all at once. Um and the Stormers had they'd done that, they'd started their season with like four or five games away, uh four games away. And against at the time, like the teams that were really, were the stronger ones in those, in those countries. So they weren't maybe expected to do as well as they had done, but they were like two, one and one, um, but they lost like six back row, three of them, like short term, three of them, like, you know, ACLs or bones or whatever, like out for, for a while. Um, but they, you know, this is kind of sort of before some of the, the media around how broke and how in debt they were, but this, this was just before it. So they were probably strapped with cash. Um, and the backs coach, uh, Robbie Fleck, um, had played and coached in Bath with my current Irish head coach, Smitty, um, Brian Smith. And it sounds, it sounds like he kind of called with like a, a mayday, mayday, like you have anyone who's like good, can do a job, but like his cheapest and Smitty was like, "I got just the guy." <laughs> I
2: got the guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're not. Hey, you're not going to believe this. I've got just the guy. Um, and so, and I had, was kind of Smitty. While I was injured at Irish, we'd gone on like a ten or twelve game uh, losing losing streak, and they kind of sacked all the coaches and brought um, Brian Smith in. And he and I were kind of, have been fighting or arguing or negotiating over that last week, the season where, you know, all the coaches got sacked. He's named head coach and he calls three meetings and he looked and he, you know, one of like, called 10, 12 players each. And one, one meeting room was like, you're definitely staying. One meeting room was like, you're maybe. And then one meeting room was like, you're gone. And I was in the, you're gone. But I'd signed an extension while I was injured. So he's like, listen, listen, man, I don't think you're a premiership player. So uh, we're going to look to buy you out. And I'm like, well, it's either running fitness here or going back to Fredericks and New Brunswick. So I'd rather run fitness here, man. I'll show up every day and run. like But I'll, I'll get my money on the end of the month. And then the next day he calls me and he's like, He's like, yeah, fair play. Like, I, I don't mind that stance. We're going to loan you out. We'll loan you out. I was like, listen, I, I don't mind going to play for, like, London Welsh or London Scottish in the championship, but that's fine. If if I'm playing there and, and can train here from time to time, like, that is what it is. I haven't been able to show you enough. I was injured when you showed up. I get it. Then he comes back the next day, and he's like, uh, yeah, because of your visa, we can't loan you out. So we're going to buy you out. I was like, well, I told you this last week, but – I'll show up every day and run fitness. And then literally, like, the next day he calls me and he's like, have you heard of the Stormers? I'm like, yeah. He's like, do you want to go play for them? I was like, yeah. He's like, I thought you'd say that. Your flight leaves at 11. It was, like, 7.30 in the morning. So I went back to the house with the lads I was staying with. Like, gave them, you know, five, 500 bucks to settle up, settle up the bills or whatever, and then threw all my, threw my gear in a bag and and uh, hit the flight down there.
2: Just <laughs> not really knowing what was happening or just see how it goes.
0: Nothing. And then I show up down there and, like, it's there. I would have flown, like, all day, right? It's like a 12-hour flight straight down. I think maybe an hour time difference. You're not really jet-lagged. But I get in sort of, like, late that night. They take me uh, straight to like, I crash it, and Robbie Flex' in-laws owned a hotel, so they take me there, I've got this little villa, I'm like, oh, my God, this is sweet, a little private pool, I'm like, yeah, it's not plenty of the respect I deserve, God damn it, and then, uh, and then the next day, like, uh, the next day, is like, a day off, so I go to the training facility, and it's, like, get him a stuff, get him a massage. like, do a little physical, like, get all the playbooks, line-out book. And then I'm doing just some wits of the field, like, passing back and forth with, like, one of their skills, SNC coaches. I'm like, what the the hell am I doing next? And I see all the coaches, like, up on the balcony, like, looking down. I'm like, these motherfuckers are seeing if I can even catch a pass. They have no, they have no clue. And then I go into the I go into my locker and like all the gear is double XL. Got the wrong picture from the Canadian national team up on the locker. I'm like these guys have no clue who I am. Nothing. My like, this is going to be a shit a shit time. I'm like all this stuff double XL is hanging off me I'm my like, and I'm like I just done four months in the gym rehabbing like I am in the shape of my life and the stuff still hanging off me I'm like oh man they thought they were getting an animal and I, this guy showed up so uh but yeah it all worked out
2: and so they had the wrong fella on the, the photo they just said like oh pull the Canadian fella up and they put a photo of the wrong person
0: they grabbed a photo of, like the wrong guy and they had they must have looked at the stats wrong. Cause I was like, and this is like, this isn't like a Japanese double XL. It's like the, you know, their stuff was all made from Adidas at the time. Like branded specifically and made for them. So like their XL was like down to my knees. <laughs> like I could probably get away with like an English XL, but not a South African one. It was hanging off. I was like, Oh man, these, these guys are in for a treat. Wait till they see how slow I am.
2: And. Um... How was uh, living in South Africa?
0: Uh, it was it was class. I've, like, so I spent three or four days in Flecky's in-laws' like hotel, but it was like on the far side of the mountain. So it was like, you know, you have to. He'd pick me up in the morning, like so bring me in for like the coaches' meetings and stuff. That was like three hours before the boys would even be in. Um, and then on the first. I played on the Saturday and then on the well, and on, on that Saturday, or so the Thursday I do. They give me my kit and I do the run through. But that Thursdays are a day off for the for the boys there, and then it's Fridays you do captains run at the stadium. And so the coach comes down to me Thursday. Alsterkia comes down to me Thursday. After that. Uh, Watching me catch and pass, he's like, ah, oh, this guy, he'll, he'll be okay, looks fine. And he goes, listen, like, we're playing the Cheetahs on Saturday. We're going to crush them. Uh, are you okay with being on the bench? It's like, you know, we got so-and-so coming back from injury, so-and-so coming back from injury. It's probably, the, you know, you'll play with the Vodacom Cup team after this. But this is your only chance to kind of play with the Stormers. You to go on the bench? We'll give you 10 minutes or whatever at the end just so you can say you did it. Like, hell yeah. And then he's like, you know, and then on the Friday, they introduce me to the guys. They're like, Hey, he's going to get like 10, 20 minutes at the end to teach him like one or two lineouts and just use those when he goes out there. Uh, and you know, and yeah, meet the guys, whatever, you know, half of them are speaking Afrikaans, half of them are speaking English, some of that, and then other dialects. And, uh, learn a couple lineouts, and they're so like laid back, like, ah, you'll be fine. Just like, you know, if, if you get out there, figure it out. Well, like, you know, 12 minutes into the game Nizam home car, boom, ACL done. They're like, uh, well, Jeff, I guess you're going in. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, oh, perfect. 65 minutes off the bench, you know, 24 hours after a 12 hour flight, I've met three people. This should be great. And so like first line out is like this, you know, the set, the first stop is kind of once I've got on and like, I'm coming in there and I I know line outs. And so I'd watch, I'd watch the video and I, and I asked for the calls. So I knew that like, I'm going to be able to block my way through like at least 50% of them. Like, just from all the video that I watched in that first day off, I was like, I don't want to ruin this. But of course, he goes in there, calls the lineups in Afrikaans. So <laughs> the two guys come to me, and the ball goes over my head. And Dries was like, he was like, and I'm like, I don't speak Afrikaans. And then he just like realizes that it's me and just like starts laughing. And we're running around, as we're running around the field. And then so we called, he called him in English for the rest of the time, dumbed them way down for the, the rest of that game. And, yeah, then it was fine.
2: That's gas. And so then you—how long were you there for in total?
0: Um, so I got there in first week of May, and then I was there until the middle of November. So and six seven months. And
2: was um, they have nights out after the their games similar?
0: Yeah, I mean it was their nights nice out were I would say. They were, yeah, they were a little bit better than, like, in England. Because when we were in, in England, like, our stadium was an hour outside of town. So it was, like, by the time you get into town, drop your bags off and, like, try to get back out, like, it's already late. And for them, it was, like, you're at the stadium and your stadium's right downtown. So then you can just go up from there. You leave your bags there. They bring them out to the training facility for Monday. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff, um, and then I, you know, we'd we'd fly like charter to, you know, Joburg, Durban, or you know, any of the games in uh, in South Africa. I remember, like, after one of the games, we'd won away. We're on the plane, and one of the pit guys is at the front with like a twelve pack. As we're taking off, just emptying the twelve pack, and it's going down the going down the middle of the plane as we're taking off and guys just reaching their hands down, grabbing beers so as they keep rolling. They just did that with like, you know, three or four 12 packs, everyone got a beer and that was it. And Then you're back, you're back to the, like, to the airport, the private area of the airport, like, you know, an hour later, nothing just that far away. And so that, like maybe 90 minutes and then straight in a cab, straight downtown, straight on to the, uh, the brandies and coke.
2: Enjoying yourselves.
0: Yeah, yeah, I did. I definitely did. Yeah.
2: Uh, and so then back to back to London Irish and uh you went down was uh, over a hundred caps, so they must have changed their tune, did they?
0: They still hadn't yet. I remember so I was supposed to be down in in Cape Town for three months, and then after those three months, uh like that was the end of the super rugby season and we lost in the semis and then then there's like two weeks off or three weeks off and the Curry Cup season starts um, and that was when like Stahlberger like was having his knee issues and was like infected and like he wasn't going to come back and then his own car was ACL so like he wasn't coming back and then like Sia was like you know sort of my age like 21, 22 maybe even younger, maybe like 20. And so they were like, and he was, and then they had, then there was like the spring stuff that was gonna go on that, that summer um, or in the fall, like some camps and stuff. So they're like, yeah, we could use you for another three months. Like, uh, do you think your coaches in, in uh, London Irish would let you stay? And I'm like, sure. Like, message Smithy, I'm like, Smitty, you know, they'd like to keep me another three months uh i don't know what the deal is he worked out but they just said same deals before and he just like emails back yeah it's fine like that's it And then so after then after the create cup i show back up and it's directly into the november internationals so join up with canada for three or four weeks and then come to training uh like after that and so he's like Hey, mate, we haven't really changed your mind. Like, we don't see it as part of the plans, but you know, you've got a full season of super rugby, so you'll probably find something. I'm like, well, teams are, you know, pretty shorted now, so I guess I'll just train here until I find something. And uh, he, he, they had hired like the new Ford's coach in the offseason, Glenn Delaney, who is, you know, ended up being a good buddy of mine. Um, But he's like, I don't really know what you got, what you and Spinny have going on, but like, as long as you, train and are going to hit the server, like, I'm like, man, that's all I want to do. Like, I don't know what the, like, what well, the thing is. So was just training. And then literally in that training session, I wasn't even in the team list up until like Thursday and then two back rows go like head to head. They're both out. So I'm like, they've got to use me. They don't have anyone else. So went into that game and then got man of the match that game and then, next game or that we're going down to Gloucester and we beat them for the first time in like 10 years. Um, got God. I think man of the match in that game. And then literally on the bus, the, on the bus ride back, Smitty like called my agent and left a voicemail. And he was like, listen, had Jeb all wrong. Sorry about that. Uh, I'll have an off, I'll have a, a contract extension to you on, on uh, Monday. And then they saw me do a three-year extension. Wow. Yeah. All you need is a chip and a chair. A oh, what? Uh, a chip in a chair. It's a gambling term.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. And a three year extension. Yeah. And so you were you were just kind of playing it by ear all the time. And then now I suppose then you're kind of like, ah, oh, I'm a I'm a full time pro. I'm like okay. earn, earning good money and I'm now, I'm now here.
0: Yeah. And that was like the first year of that new deal was like double or triple. Probably triple what I was like earning. I remember it came back. I remember the first one was like a two year deal at like not much more. And I just said to me like I don't I'm not gonna nickel down I said, I just won't want what I'm worth. So whatever you, whatever you send back next, I'm, I'm either signing it or I'm leaving. And so then he sent back like, a well, way better deal. He's like, I thought we'd negotiate. I said, I'm tired of that. Like I've been in a suitcase for the last two years, right? This is still only like maybe December 2012. So I'm still only like 14 months out of the World Cup. So I've been like New Zealand, England, South Africa, back to England, probably eight international games, uh, eight games for Irish, 24 games for the Western Province franchise. Like I, in, that, in that 52 week, from when I was done my injury in May to when I was done with Irish. So when I was done with my injury in April or May of 2012 to so when I was, we were finished the season in April or May of 2013 in that 52-week window, I'd literally played, like, 44 games. Like, it was, just, you know, way too much. And then I was, and then that, and then the injury started kicking in. It was just, like, holding on to the next five years. <laughs>
2: so you hit like the best run of form ever and then it's like three-year deal You you said that and you get the big money and then it's like oh the body starts breaking down a bit
0: yeah i mean because it was always i like i never there was no kind of deal like there is with the england guys or with you know to rest them or to be informed um and i loved playing i hated training and i loved playing so like if i did train all week and there wasn't a game on saturday i would like hated it so i it didn't matter i never thought like i never wanted a week off to rest i was like i'd rather just why do i need to rest like that wasn't a concept to me so i just played through it all injuries uh any And for me, like, if I couldn't really, like, get any slower, if I, like, did – slightly did my calf or slightly did my hemi or, like, slightly did my lower back, like, I don't really – I can't get any slower, so I might as well still go play.
2: No no one's going to notice.
0: No one's going to notice. It's not like a changing thing I do. It's just my hamstring hurts. Like, I run on my heels anyway, like, clobbering around out there. So, yeah.
2: And how I was living in London then? You spent a good few years in there.
0: Yeah, it was good. Um, always had a roommate. And they were always like, you know, really good buddies. Of mine and and you know, you you kind. Of, I guess you don't realize some of some of the good the good times or the great times like while you're in them. Like one of the places we had, it was like you know a penthouse near the training facility with like you know, a pool table and, and, you know, it was kind of the aftermath place where everyone would come over and a couple of big screens and a pool table. And, and you just, you don't realize that you're just having like the time of your life, you know, you'd wait for the highlights to come on, watch your own highlights and then shoot and pool and drinking and beers and then, you know, go catch the last, last call at like the nightclub downtown kind of thing. Like it was great.
2: Yeah. And um what was your like what'd you get up to outside of rugby say, when you're a trade like in London? You go up to much?
0: No, I mean not, not really. There's not you had so little time. Um, outside like you have a lot of time, but you have but you're shattered, you're exhausted. Like sure you get done training at like three o'clock, but it's because you've run you know, 15 kilometers, lifted weights, tackle tech, like you're, shat- like you're shattered, right? Um, so it's just, you know, the boys would have for a coffee club and just go sit and have coffees and then watch some video, make food. That's kind of it, midweek. Uh
2: <clears throat> you ever get up for a beer and thing or?
0: Like midweek? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it'd be rude not to. <laughs> You know, you'd always have to go for, usually, if we had, if we had Wednesdays off, we might go for a couple on, on, like, the Tuesday night, or, like, the Wednesday, um, but it would also depend on, like, if the team was named, like, Monday, and you were miles from the team, like, your week was probably a little bit different than, like, if you knew you were going to be in the team. Right. Or, or if you knew, like, you know, if it was just like a home game against, or if it was an away game against, like, Leicester on the Saturday, like, you know, you want, you know, you want to, you're not going to have much of a Saturday night because you're getting off the bus there for probably a, a physical beating, regardless of the score line. You just know it's going to be a physical beating. And you know, you're going to be on the bus and not back till, like, 11th. So you know, you're not going to have, like, much of a Saturday night. So, you know, you would look at your schedule, kind of there, like where can we, where's there the good nights going to be? Like where are the maybe sneaky midweekers? Yeah, you know, you're looking, at, you're looking at some of that stuff. Yeah,
2: yeah. And how was it then? Uh, was it injuries then just stopped you? Like after Irish or towards the end Irish? What happened?
0: Yeah, so I did. I did my knee at some point in like 2014 uh like i did it i did it once, and it, they were like ah oh, maybe it's meniscus you know but you can probably keep on it's not that bad and then i did it again and they're like maybe you've done something else over there but you know i, ha- I wasn't losing like a ton of strength and again like i'm already so slow that it, you know you're not noticing it anywhere other than like the pain um but then we were, and then so it was after the season in like May, and this is in the before the World Cup in uh, September, October of that year, and they were they wanted us to do uh, run a yo-yo test for the off season, so that, and then if you came back and you were within ten percent of your yo-yo test when you run it in your first week back, you could get an extra week off three weeks the season or something like that. So I've been on the physio bed every day for three months with this knee, and they still want me to run the yo-yo test, even though, even though I was going to be at the World Cup. I'm like, let me have – I'm like, this is dumb. Let me have three weeks off here so I can rest my knee because I got to start ramping up to the World Cup like in, in July, and I, I'll be back in Canada like doing World Cup crap and stuff. And they're like, oh, I just do it. I do like two lengths and um uh, and I stop. I'm like, send me for an MRI right now. So I still have the record of like the worst deep score at Irish, because I stopped after one length and just went there. I did it and I'll send me for an MRI. And then I went for the MRI and they were like, Oh, there's a lot of bits and pieces that uh, we'll go in and clean it out and you'll be sweet. And then when when they kind of went in to do that. There was a little bit more damage than they thought. Uh, yeah. And then that was kind of the beginning of the end. It came back. It felt really good for probably all, like eight months. So like great through all the, like after I did, you know, after the rehab and stuff. And I remember I had to play, I had to play one. I had to play one game before the World Cup. Or Canada wasn't going to pick me. They're like, your first game can't be Ireland at Millennium Stadium. So I, up, so I ended up getting in against Georgia in England in the World Cup warm up, and it was like, it was, it was fine. It handled well. And then in that game, I, I did my back. Like one of those ones where you like, uh, like completely did my back, and then spent like the next four days on my, on my back with my feet up. Like, just I wanted to play against Fiji in our last warm-up, but, like, by, like, the Wednesday when I still couldn't, like, need help to get to the bathroom, I was like, nah, I won't be making Fiji. But then it settled, and I was good for Ireland, and then, and then after that, then he kind of held out until, until the end of that, held out all that season, and then it was the next – the next preseason where I just couldn't, the swelling, I just couldn't ever get the swelling down so it was like every day you're just kind of so For the season before that the swelling would always go down overnight, you'd at least start the morning like fresh and you could get it down overnight, start the morning fresh so then this one it was like after preseason I just couldn't get couldn't get it out of the joint overnight, you're starting every day like in pain um, then went. Got through most of that preseason, uh, and we had been relegated. so we We're going to be in the championship, so it was like, so you know we're, you know we're probably going to win, right? Like, but uh, like some of the games in the last half of the season were going to matter more. And at the beginning of the season, everyone's fit other than myself. So they're like, let's going to get this looked after now, so that when we have injuries, maybe after Christmas, you're fit, and and some other guys are on the IR. So I went and looked at it, and like the surgeon was basically, like, yeah, you've got this, this, and this. Like, it's just nothing really we can do. So, so I rehabbed it again for like four months just to build all the strength in, the, in and around the joint to try to see if I could get it, fi- at least finish the contract. Um, but I wasn't able to.
2: Yeah. And it was, just, it was just dust and just had to call it a day.
0: Yeah, it was dust, and then they were like, you know, they they because I missed with Thomas' injury, they were kind of able to say that I wasn't able to fulfill my contract. So then they were like, uh, you've got, then they cut my contract up, and then they were like, got you know the home office is like you got ninety days to get out of England unless you can find like an like a job in the in the same field close to equal pay. Oh my like, well, can't really do that. Went for like went up my one of my best buddies had just become the head coach of Rotherham. He played at us for Irish. And I wanted I was like sort of six or nine months away from permanent residency. So I was like, I'll go to Rotherham, I'll pick up their their last contract, I'll play for them, I'll get PR, and then I can stay in England. And I was out there training in Rotherham, staying at like Whatever premier Inn in and Rotherham, and you can't imagine like a more depressing place. Like Liz, like Jess, and I, you know, I was there maybe three, four weeks, and literally midway through session, I was like, and that was the year I think Rotherham went uh, didn't get a win in the whole season.
2: Into championship.
0: In the championship you can get a win. So I was like the the like the the facilities were were not great and the players were not great and I was like, like this is I like I just can't do this. I can't do this. So I just went up to my buddy like midway through the session. I was like, Hey mate, that's me done. Uh, he's like, What do you mean? I'm like, nah, I retire. I'll be and I was like, I'll be in the pub, come see me when you're done. So he's like he's like the head coach so and but also like one of my best buddies so he's like all right and i'm like yeah you'll need to drive my car and i threw him the keys he's like uh okay i'll i'll see you there and he came and picked me up for the pub and we went then he drove me we went to nottingham and uh yeah we went out on the lash all night he's like well let's have one more good night then yeah
2: so was like you're going over to your lineouts, you're like, nah, I'm retiring. I'm done.
0: Like, like that was exactly what it is. It was literally like we we're we we're trying to do like a fairly simple like line out, like just a bomb, like a bump fade or something. And like you know, the, the ball from the hooker's hand coming out like a boomerang here. And I'm like, oh. No, I was like, oh. you know, I just come from a decent high of, like, winning the championship with Irish, I ended up playing, like, the last 12 games and starting the last 12 games in a row for them or whatever. And I was like, should I just let that be my last game? Like, because this, I'm not even going to win a line-out. I was just like, oh my god, I got to get out of here. I got to, I'm like, and then I was thinking like of living in Rotherham. No permanent residency is worth this. And like, tough time. It was dark time.
2: Yeah, and uh, cheers for your time. What was the what track was the most enjoyable time during your career? Like get getting to be a rugby player. What, What was the what was the most the best part of it?
0: Like in hindsight, when I'm at work and you're trying to find the time to like get a peloton in or like a bench press, and you're just getting like old and fat and you have no time and i spend whatever peloton takes out of my account every month for the bike and the fee it's like 100 bucks and you know five years ago you're making you're making a bit of money to go to the gym like that is like fuck, i should have been in the gym even more like uh but i think it's just it's the boys in the dressing room like i don't miss training at all i miss i miss games i don't miss training But, like, I miss the change room so much. Like, pranks on people, like, jokes, uh, you know, the showers throwing shit on people. Like, I I miss the change room so much.
1: Cheers for listening in today. My new book, The Book on How You Become a Pro Rugby Player, is available now on Amazon all over the world. The foreword is by Leinster, Ireland and British and Irish Lions player Robbie Henshaw and there are insights throughout from players at the top of the game. It's a book that I needed but didn't have when I was younger and in it I give you tools and strategies on how you become more confident on the field, develop your self-belief and play your best rugby. Here's some feedback from Aid Chapman who is a mental performance coach from Wales. Hey Brian, I have finished reading your book. I have to say it's pretty comprehensive and hits all the areas, congrats. My son has also enjoyed reading it and he hates reading. I've got lots of reviews and feedback on Amazon, which I'm really grateful for, but I loved hearing that one that his 17 year old son who hates reading enjoyed it. As far as I'm aware, this is the only book in the world available help rugby players with the mental side of the game and you don't have to be an avid reader I've written it in a way that it's easy to understand and put into action because I know when I was 16 17 18 19 20 I wasn't reading books and I didn't enjoy reading until I was in my mid 20s but this is what those young players need and what I needed so it's written with that in mind Wherever you are in the world, just go to the Amazon that you usually use, be it Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, or .co.uk. But if you're living in Ireland, you can get the book through my website, which is offfieldrugby.com. I will then sign the book and send it out to you myself. And that's the only place you can get it right now because Amazon are having trouble with Brexit with sending some books to Ireland. So I've been over and back with them. There's a bit of an issue there, which is kind of out of my control, but I'm doing my best. So I have a workaround. And yeah, if you're living in Ireland, go to offfieldrugby.com. You can buy the book there and I will send it out to you. Also, if you're in the UK and you want a signed copy of the book, you can also buy it through the website, offfieldrugby.com. But for everyone else around the world, Amazon is the place to get it. If you're a coach and you'd like to help your players with the mental side of the game or if you're a player and you'd like to have a chat please go to my website offfieldrugby.com and contact me through there or send me a dm on instagram which is at offfieldrugby or linkedin which is my name brian moylet just send me a message would love to hear from you and we will line up a time to chat thanks mill as always for being here if you want to help the pod What you can do is send this on to some friends now and or leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening to the podcast right now. Those two things take 30 seconds, but are so, so greatly appreciated. Thank you so much. Have a brilliant rest of your day. Cheers.